Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. We've had a wonderful holiday with your senior pastor and his wife. They're most wonderful hosts. We've had a, a tremendous time exploring old ruins and talking church. <laughs> We've had a great time. So it's good to be here to, with you tonight and uh, have my lovely wife with me here tonight as well, who's a mother of our seven children and 19 grandchildren. So we have a great growing family. And uh, I'm glad you've come tonight and want you just to open your heart for the Holy Spirit to help you. And uh, it's a very general and broad topic I've been given to speak on tonight. But I know that the Holy Spirit will help you as you'll open yourself to Him. And uh, probably you're thinking, well, this topic really is for the person next to me. So tell them, you need to listen because this will be good for you. <laughs> tell someone next to you, you need to listen, this will be good for you. <laughs> okay, let's have a look in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Uh, Luke chapter 4. Favorite verse of mine. Beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we want to speak tonight on healing hurts, which is a very broad subject. Let me say this. There isn't anyone in life who doesn't get hurt. So if you're feeling hurt tonight, join the person next to you because they probably are too. And of course, if you want to take some time to sit next to Lawrence, he'll be able to tell you all the hurts that come out of being a pastor. And there's heaps of them, some you wouldn't believe. So Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. In other words, there'll be difficulties, pressures, there'll be all kinds of struggles, there'll be pains, there'll be challenges in life. Life is full of challenges. There is no perfect family. You think the family next to you is the perfect family. You take a look closer, you'll find they've got problems and difficulties just like you have. It's part of human life. So it's impossible for us to walk through life without facing painful experiences. Uh, as a, having a, growing a family of seven, we have faced some incredibly painful experiences. In church ministry over years, I've faced incredibly painful experiences. But I have learned how to be free of them, how to open my life to Jesus, and how to receive healing and freedom in these things. And I want to share with you and help you. But it helps before we look at ministry. Most people, when they think about ministry, they want to come up and have someone lay hands on them and all their problems will go away. <laughs> Magic. I wish it was like that. It just isn't like that. Uh, usually you'll find that when we go through pain and sufferings and difficulties, there is a journey God wants us to take that results in character change uh, being, and character being formed and developed in us. So anyway, we're going to, tonight, first of all, lay, I want to lay some scripture foundations for Jesus' ministry, and then I want to show you why it is that people don't get healed, why it is they remain hurt. I could tell you of lots of people, and if you look at that person, you think about that person, you think, hurt. And a person who is hurt will hurt other people. And so if you enter a marriage and you are hurt, you'll hurt your spouse. If you are parents and you raise children and you're already hurt, you'll hurt your children. Hurt people hurt one another. And so part of Jesus' ministry, as we'll see, is to heal people who have got broken hearts, who've been hurt through life's tragedies and difficulties. So we'll define a few of these. The first thing is have a look at Jesus' ministry in Luke 4, 18. Number one, first of all, Jesus' ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. So Jesus declares 
he has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not just for us to feel good or shake or have a good time. It's not about that. But the anointing is for a purpose. And Jesus said, this is why I'm anointed. And he outlines the purpose of the anointing in distinct ways. And this covers his ministry. So here it is, to preach the gospel to the poor. Number one, the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost, is to preach the gospel to the poor. What does that refer to? It refers to the core root of man's problem. We are separated from God, and we need to be reconciled back to God. So in any ministry that we do, our first role is to reconcile people back to God by dealing with the issue of sin and separation from God. When you are separated from God by sin, you have many other problems come with it. So our first priority is to bring people back to the source. So number one, the preaching of the gospel is to bring people to the source. And even if you're a Christian, you walk with the Lord for years, when you have conflicts and difficulties in your life, our first thing is for you to come to the source, Jesus Christ. Second thing, he, preached, he anointed me, to, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So that notice that the first thing that God deals with is our relationship with himself. Secondly, he addresses the issues of brokenness in our heart. When the Bible's talking about broken heart, it's talking about uh, unresolved pain in your life because of conflict you've had in relationships. And there can be many causes, many sources of those things. Then he goes on, and we'll come back to that one, of course. That's where we're going to go tonight, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, that speaks of deliverance. So God's first priority is to bring us back to himself and to zeal with the issue of sin. Secondly, to start to touch our heart where we're broken. Because when people have been hurt and wounded in relationships, we build walls to protect ourselves. And those walls that protect ourselves stop us being intimate with God and intimate with one another. One of the big problems in the church is we've built walls around our heart, and they not only stop us from being hurt, but they also keep others out and keep us lonely on the inside. So the third thing is he talks about deliverance. Wherever people are brokenhearted and wherever there's sin, demons are able to come in. Major doorways for demons to enter people's life are unresolved sin in their life and broken heart or emotional pain that's never been resolved in a relationship. When I look at marriage breakdowns, I find almost inevitably you can track the root causes back to unresolved conflicts in the people's family and background. So th these are very important issues too. Third th the fourth thing he says is after deliverance or dealing uh, with breaking bondages and setting people free from evil spirits. Recovery of sight to the blind, which speaks of physical healing and restoration, or it also speaks of putting vision back into your life. Because when we've sinned, when we're separated from God, when our heart is broken, when demons are in our life, we don't see clearly what God's plan is for our life. We struggle through life and feel like somehow we're never really complete, something's going wrong. Then to set at liberty those who are oppressed or to lift bondages, limitations, or to set us free from limiting beliefs and thoughts that stop us, and finally to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to bring people into the realm of grace to fulfill their call in life. So this is the scope of Jesus' ministry. So healing the broken heart, healing hurts, is one part in the whole picture. And that's the part we want to look at tonight. We could have looked at deliverance. Deliverance is one part in the bigger picture. 
the goal God has is firstly bring us back to him and the result of the ministry of the spirit is you discover what God called you to do and you're pursuing it passionately with all your might because you only have one turn at life. Okay, so we've started there. Now let's, we're going to move on. Now, uh, the Bible makes it very clear. I want you to have a look in Acts chapter 10, 38. That wherever you've got brokenness, wherever you have pain or unresolved conflict or hurts in a person's heart, you'll also have the likelihood that there are demonic spirits are active in the person's life. So I want to explain that. Tonight we'll pray for people. Some will need deliverance from demonic spirits. But I want to show you not just about the demons. I want to show you what the, thing, the problem is underneath it. So notice in, in Acts 10 and verse 38, it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. So we first see the same thing, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Here's the purpose of his ministry. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Notice the word healing and oppressed by the devil. If a person needs healing, they've obviously got some brokenness, some damage inside their life. Secondly, it makes it clear that when people have got brokenness and damage in their life, it attracts evil spirits. So, for example, if you leave some meat outside, after a while, flies gather around. You can't stop it. They smell the dead meat, they just gather around, and they begin to lay their eggs on it, the eggs begin to infest the meat because they smell the raw meat. They are drawn to it. And uh, so, and likewise, when people have got hurts or got sin in their life, or they've got deep hurts and emotional pain, it is like a magnet to evil spirits. They can sense it and they're attracted. They're drawn to it. I think sometimes we think you can hide our hurts and no one sees us, but in the realm of the spirit, everything is visible. When you look at the person next to you, you only see the body. You see the house they live in. But from the realm of the spirit, they can see the real you. And if you are hurt and there are issues in your life, demons can recognize them and gain access to your life. So one of the reasons we need to deal with hurts is because they attract evil spirits and these work to create more problems in our life. Second is because when you've got unresolved hurts in your life, you can't see clearly in your relationships you've hurt the people you love. Okay, notice it says, in that scripture it says, all those who are oppressed by the devil. Now the word oppressed means this. It means to exercise a spiritual force so that you hold someone down against their will. To exercise a spiritual force and hold someone down against their will. So what the devil do or what evil spirits do is they put a pressure on your life. You, you don't recognize, the most common statement that I hear people say after they're delivered, this is the most common statement you hear, I feel much lighter. It's the most common statement I've heard when people are delivered. We ask, how do you feel? Oh, I feel much lighter. I feel like a great pressure or burden has come off me. So when people are delivered and set free from an evil spirit, the force that held them down in bondage is forced to let go. You may be struggling with issues in your life, and you think, well, it's just me. I can't seem to get over it. I can't seem to get on top of it. But you don't know that there may not be an evil spirit that is actually using the problem in your life to bring pressure on you, spiritual pressure. And you can't deal with spiritual pressure with just willpower, only for a little while, and then you break back into your problem again. You actually have to resolve the issue. 
And so Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He literally cast demons out of people and ministered to the root problems in their life. So some of you will have problems where spirits have gained access to your life and the thing you're struggling with is something you can't see. You just feel it and feel its effects. And it requires the power of God to break that hole. That's why the church is called by Jesus Christ to go into the community and bring deliverance and healing because we're the only people that can do it. There's no doctor can set you free of an evil spirit. There's no psychiatrist can set you free of an evil spirit. Only the church is authorized to do it. So we need to understand our business. So how is it that people get broken hearts? What is the cause of broken heart? Well, there's how do people get hurt? There's just endless, endless causes of it. Let me give you a few of them. One of the major sources of hurt and grief and pain are unresolved conflicts in families between husband and wife, between parents and children. Uh, when, when people sin against us, they betray us, they lie to us, they cheat us or steal from us, that can cause quite some pain. The closer the person is to you in relationship, the more it hurts you. A stranger doesn't hurt you too much, but someone near to you does. When people reject you, friends at school reject you, your peers reject you, when an adult rejects you, or a mother rejects you, or a father rejects you, or some person in authority rejects you, there is a deep pain comes with that. We need to learn how to resolve it, or it becomes a source of problem in our life. Uh, having a death in the family can cause deep, deep grief, especially if the death is a parent, or a, or a very close grandparent, and the child is very young, and they feel the loss very, very deeply. I have known some people just did not get over the death of a parent when the pa when parent died when they were quite young, about the age of 10. Uh, violence, when, when we have experienced violence, it leaves a trauma that affects us. When people go through an accident or some kind of traumatic experience, they get wounded and hurt by that. When uh, people experience abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, uh, uh, sexual abuse of any kind, these things create a deep wound in the soul, a deep hurt. And if it's not resolved, it makes the person continually dysfunction right through their life. So God wants to heal these things. Why does he want to heal us? He wants us to be whole, wants us to enjoy relationships. So God wants us to be healed of these things. Now, I want to just uh, show you an example of Jesus doing it, and then we're going to look at some of the root causes and then the strategies how to get out of hurts if you've got hurts in your life. Remember, the hurts you get free of today, tomorrow there'll probably someone else will hurt you too. It's just part of life. So you need to walk in freedom, not just have someone pray for you and hope you get feel better. It's actually about resolving what's in our heart. For some of you, there may be incredibly deep grief and deep pain, and tonight it may just unlock for you and suddenly you become aware of it. And uh, we were being counseling people, and as I began to just speak about to one person about their background, the pain was enormous, unresolved pain, and we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. Okay, let's just have a look at Jesus now, and uh, Jesus ministering to people. found one example in Mark chapter 1. I'll use that for an example. And uh, then we're going to look at uh, what, what, how people handle the issues and what to do about it. Let's have a look at this one here, verse 40. Mark 1, verse 40. Now, a leper came to Jesus, and he came to him, and he knelt down in front of him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him. 
And then he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he'd spoken, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, I want you to notice two things about this. I want you to notice that Jesus touched the man. Now, why would you touch a leper? Why didn't Jesus? Because the thing about lepers is if you touch the lepers, it's highly contagious. You'll catch it. If you touch a leper, uh, you are considered to be unclean. And so all it took for Jesus was to say, be healed. And that's actually what he did. He said, be healed. But he did more than just say, be healed and physically heal him. He actually touched him. Why did he touch him? I'll tell you why he touched him. When a person had leprosy in those days, it's kind of, we don't see leprosy in Singapore, I guess. You don't see it in New Zealand, definitely. You see it in some parts of the world. But leprosy was uh, usually a fatal disease. And when a person got leprosy, it would start as a little spot. And then it would begin to grow and develop in their life. It started quite small, and then it would grow and start to spread. And as it spread, the person would lose feeling in that area. And it would gradually spread through their body until it began to affect all of their body. For many of them, it would, be, uh, uh, it would cause a rotting away of the uh, joints. Uh, the fingers would fall off. The toes would fall off. They'd become deformed. Sometimes ears and nose would, would, would deform or come off. It was a most horrendous disease. That's how. It, and so eventually, the person would gradually, literally fall apart. They'd begin to they'd die bit by bit every day. Now, one of the consequences of having the disease leprosy was this. The moment you found you had leprosy, you had to go to the priest. And if the priest inspected you and found you had leprosy, this is what would happen. From that day on, you could never go back to your family, never go back to your wife, never go back to your children. You couldn't be in the same house. You couldn't even live anywhere near them. You had to keep a distance from them. You couldn't come and touch anyone you loved. You couldn't hug anyone you loved. You were literally separated and rejected. Not only that, you had to not only be separated from them, you had to wear clothing that identified you were a leper and unclean. And if someone came near you, you had to say, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. So not only did the person have the physical disease, there was a deep emotional grief and loss that all relationships were lost and the person was rejected by everyone. And so not only did this man suffer with a terribly physical disease, he carried in his heart a deep personal grief and deep rejection and separation from everyone. You know, one of the most, uh, one of the ways we can connect with people is to touch them. So what Jesus did was this. He didn't just heal the disease, he addressed the deep grief of being alone, rejected, unwanted, untouched, and unloved. And he reached out as a man of God and touched this man. When he touched the man, there was a deep wave of healing came through all the grief and brokenness in his soul. And then Jesus spoke, be healed, and his body was healed, and he could be restored back to his family. Many times we see that Jesus was interested in how the person was. For example, there's another case where, remember the woman who had the issue of blood, and she pushed through the crowd, touched Jesus, the power of God went into her, she had a physical healing, and then Jesus immediately said, who touched me? And the woman was incredibly embarrassed, and eventually they identified, she stood up and said, it was me. 
And Jesus said, tell me what happened. And she told all her story. And then he finished up by saying, your faith has made you whole. He spoke blessing into her. What was the issue here? The woman had two problems. One, she had the physical bleeding, which eventually would end in poverty and death. But secondly, because she had that disease, she was rejected by the community. She was unable to touch anyone. She was considered unclean. All her life, while she had the bleeding, she's unclean. Her husband can't touch her, he's defiled. Anyone who touches her, defiled. Anywhere she sits, defiled. Anywhere she goes, defiled. And so it took her tremendous faith to push through the crowd of people and touch Jesus, knowing she's breaking the ceremonial law. She needed not only physical healing, she needed Jesus to restore her in her soul and heal the deep pain of not ever being able to touch anyone all through the course of her sickness. Think about it. God is interested in the brokenhearted. Are you hurt tonight? He is interested in you. Maybe you have a physical problem or some other kind of issue. Jesus is interested in healing you. He does want to help you. So let's begin and have a look at where the problem started. And then what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some of the steps, how to get out. So we'll look, in, first of all, in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, where the problems all started. Because this is what Jesus came to solve. Here is where it all started with Adam and Eve. And so we really remember the story how they weren't supposed to eat the fruit of the tree. And so they got tempted and they ate. And uh, so verse 6, Genesis 3 verse 6 and when the woman saw the tree was good for food, good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate, gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open, they knew that they were naked, and so this is what they did. Notice the things they did. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings, and then when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the day, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord in the trees of the garden, and, and the Lord called Adam and said, verse 9, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Okay, now I want you to see something here. When Adam and Eve sinned, they experienced a deep emotional pain, a deep emotional grief. They suddenly had the covering that God had given them lifted off them. They became naked and exposed. You know what the first thing they did? The first thing they did was to conceal themselves from one another. The second thing they did was to hide from God. When we have wounds, when we have grief and unresolved conflict in our life, when we have unresolved issues, the first thing we tend to do is to conceal from others around us what is the problem. We don't want anyone to see what is really going on in our life. The second thing we tend to do is to hide from God. What do I mean hide from God? How can you hide from God? I mean, it's ridiculous. How can you hide from God? Hide, hide, from, hide behind the trees from God. How can you hide from God, you know? This is ridiculous thinking, but that shows the kind of thinking that people have when they're in pain. They're trying to hide from God. You can't hide from God. You think you can sit there tonight and hide from God? You can't hide from God. See? So what were they doing? How do we hide from God? Well, we hide from God by getting very busy. 
So too busy to get near to God, too busy to pray, too busy to read the Bible, too busy to come to church, too busy to connect in relationship, just too busy. We, want to, we keep our lives full, distracted, watch things, drink things, do all kinds of things so we don't have to face that something is not right in our heart with God. The first thing that happens when you come into a spirit-filled atmosphere is you become aware if there's something not right in your heart with God. You want to hide. People hide. They'll sit in the back row. They'll hide in the crowd. They do all kinds of things to hide from God. I remember when I first went to a Pentecostal meeting and the minister was moving with words of knowledge and I suddenly realized what he was doing. God was telling them things about people. I was terrified. So do you know what I did? I just hid behind the person in front of me. Later on, I thought, how silly was that? He could just as easily have had a word of knowledge and said, that young man here who's hiding behind that person over there. <laughs> God wants to deal with you. Oh, not me. It's, it's, it's sort of a silliness that gets around our life. We're hiding from the one who loves us, wants to heal us. We can hide behind our pride. I don't want anyone to see I've got a problem. We cover ourselves from one another. Here's the reality. There isn't anyone sitting here tonight that hasn't had failures, got failures, and will make failures. There isn't anyone here that hasn't sinned, does sin, and won't sin in the future. There isn't anyone here who hasn't had hurts, got some hurts, and not likely to be hurt in the future. That's life. So why do we hide and cover up? Why do we want to look good? Why don't we just be open with God and be who we are? And this is a consequence of the fall. People hide and conceal. And God immediately finds a way to put the finger on it. Who told you you had this problem? Who have you been listening to? Who was telling you you need to hide? Who was telling you to run away? Where is that voice coming from? You're not coming from God. You know what God said? Adam, where are you? Now, it's not because God didn't think, where's that Adam got to, you know? He's hit. Where's he gone? God knew where he was. It's a relational question. Adam, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? That's what God wants to say to you. If we were to look you straight in the eye and ask you, how are you doing? What's happening in your life? How are things really going? Are there pains or unresolved conflict or issues in your life? What would you say? Oh, everything's okay, love. <laughs> God knows what it's really like. So God, God's way of dealing with things is very simply this. He comes and confronts us with the problem. Now, there are two ways he can confront you with the problem. One is someone talks to you, counsels you, helps you see what you can't see. Another way is you just face painful consequences of your problem until you have enough pain to ask someone to help you to see what's going on. So inevitably, one way or the other, God wants us to face up to stuff. Now, what I want to do is to share with you just a process for walking out of pain and some unresolved issues in your life. I want to show you some steps in it. And yes, we will have time of ministry. And I want you to see the part that you play. Because there's always a part you play in your own healing. There's always a part you play in getting free. There's always a part you must do. God will do his part. Your part is to respond with faith and do what he requires you to do to step out of your problem. And that's your choice. You can stay with the problem. You can step out of the problem. 
You can stay in the pain. You can step out of the pain. The choice is given to you. So tonight, if you've come and you've got hurts in your heart, I'll give you an opportunity at the end to choose to keep your hurt. And if you wish to do that, that's okay. You'll just continue to have problems that arise from it until the pain is enough that you're willing to face it. Or you keep putting it off. Or you could make a decision, I want to address the issue of my heart. I want to face what's happened. I want to move past it. Sometimes you get in a church, they say, well, you just need to move on, move on, move on, you know, get over it. Hey, that's not going to deal with the things in the heart. It's just going to bury it all. So let's have a look in Psalm 84, and I want to show you some steps here. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And... Uh, We're going to read just a few verses in it from verse 5. Verse 5 through to verse 7. And this is a psalm of David. Or a psalm of the sons of Korah, sorry. And uh, here it is in verse 5. Now David was particularly a man who suffered and knew sorrows, but he knew how to find strength from God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage or on a journey who passing through the valley of Barca make it a well. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one in Zion appearing before God. Now let's just pull it apart because when you first look at it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. First thing to see is valley of Barca. The word Barca means weeping or sorrow. So it's talking about a person who's in a valley of weeping or sorrow. That is a person experiencing grief and pain. The most normal expression of sorrow is to weep. And so he's talking about a person who is in a valley of weeping and sorrow. And valley is a low place. Valley, there are many valleys in the Bible. Uh, there's the valley of the shadow of death. There's a valley of sorrow. There's many different valleys, but valleys were often places of great conflicts between armies. Valleys were a low place. Here's some things about valleys. Valleys in your life are inevitable. You, we have high points. We have low points. It's just part of life. All of us will have some issues at times where there's a sorrow, and for a short season, we are in a valley experience in sorrow. We don't feel really good at all. We're sad. They just come and go in life, sometimes at work, sometimes at school, sometimes in home, sometimes in personal relationships. So he's talking here about a person in the valley of sorrow who gets out of it and doesn't just get out of it, actually makes their life better as a result of it. So here's the thing about God. God wants to turn your valley of sorrow and make it a well, a place of refreshing for other people. Most people, all they want to do is get out of the pain. I want to feel better. But God's plan is bigger than that. God wants to turn your sorrows into not only to heal you, but to give you a testimony of what he's done in your life so you can bring comfort to others. You can be a well of comfort and hope for others. Most of the experiences we've been able to uh, share that have helped people are experiences where we had sorrow and God helped us. 2 Corinthians 1, it says, we comfort others with the comfort we have received. Have you gone through a divorce? 
if you have, there's someone divorced that needs a message of comfort because they're still in pain. Once you've got out of your pain and found the healing experience of God, you have a message of hope for someone that Jesus can help them. Have you gone through the pain of abuse of some sort? And you've discovered Jesus and, and he's sweetened your soul and the pain is gone and now you're in a place of joy. You are a well for someone else to get some hope from. When people hear your testimony, the hope comes up in their heart. If you got through it, I can get through it too. So God redeems our valleys of sorrow. Whatever sorrows, whatever hurts, whatever issues you're faced in life, God wants to redeem it. To redeem it means to buy it back, turn it completely around so what was death becomes life. What that means is this. God wants to help you get right through it so not only are you through it, but actually you're free enough to talk about it to other people and help them get through their situation. When you've gone through a valley of sorrow, you don't shake your finger and say, you just need to get over it. You feel in your heart the pain the person has. If you've gone through a situation of losing a loved one, you have great empathy for others who've lost someone. You know exactly what they feel. You can almost feel their pain as they begin to talk about their story. So whatever pain and hurt you've gone through, God doesn't want to just bring you up the front and pray for you and fix you up. He wants you to grow through it so you have a testimony that can help someone else. So the church is not made up of perfect people. It's made up of a whole lot of broken people with all kinds of issues and problems. But we're part of a community that can receive healing from the Lord and then bring a hope of healing to other people. Just think about it. There are people waiting for you to get your breakthrough so you can help them. There are people waiting to hear your testimony of how God helped you through your pain, your grief, your sorrow, and brought you out the other side. And now, what was bitter, what was painful, has now become sweet, and you can talk about it without any deep emotions surfacing. So, why is, and notice here, it's blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on journeying, who passing through the valley of sorrow, turn it, or they make it into a well, the rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength in Zion. So here's the first thing. You notice that God wants you to pass through the valley of sorrow. He doesn't want to stay there. Valleys of sorrow, valleys of pain are not places you want to stay. God does not want you to live the rest of your life with all this pain in your, in your heart. He doesn't want you to live the rest of your life damaged. So that raises the question, why is it that some people go right through their life and remain broken, remain in pain, and remain unhealed. You can come to this church every week and remain unhealed. You can come into small group meetings and remain unhealed. You can go right through your Christian life and remain unhealed, hurting the people around you while all the time coming to worship Jesus and wishing that you could live a better life. There are some reasons why people remain in the valley of sorrow. What does it mean to remain in the valley of sorrow? It means you have never resolved your sadness and your pain, you just buried it. Chinese have a word for endure, which is a, got a picture of a knife over the heart. 
just push it down, stuff it down, keep a straight face, don't let anyone know that you are hurting. But I have found everywhere I've gone, Chinese people are the most passionate people, they're the most loving people, and often they're the most hurt people. And when God gives room into their life, he will deeply touch them. Why? Because he wants you to bring healing to others. So, what are some of the reasons that people get stuck in the valley? Here's the first reason. The first reason is because people won't admit that they've got pain that's unresolved. They just deny it. Denial stops us addressing issues. Oh, well, I've gotten over it. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything my father left the family. When people say that, I know it means a lot. That's why they're saying it. They're trying to persuade me of something they don't even believe themselves. No, it doesn't worry me. I've gotten over it. Yeah, well, I don't have anything to do with them anyway. So when people say that kind of thing, you know that they've got pain in that. So denial, just refusing to admit that there is a problem. This is a big problem. Refusing to admit there's a problem does not change the problem. You can refuse to admit you have a financial catastrophe, but it doesn't change you have a financial catastrophe. You have... See, so God wants us to embrace the truth. We just have what we have. Here's a second reason is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will hold you in the valley of sorrow. Jesus warned against unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a judgment like a judgment in the heart. You own me. You, you've got to pay this back. You've got to put this right. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 34 and 35, spirits will come and torment you. And they have a right to do it. I remember I had one woman and, and, and some people were praying for her. And she's on the ground. She's just screaming out. And, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I said to the woman, I said, stop the deliverance. Stop it right now. And, they, and, they said, and I said to the woman who was on the ground, I said, are you willing to forgive your father? She said, no, I would not forgive him. I said, well, then you'll have to keep your demons because they have a right to be there. She was furious with me. She had no grounds to be furious. I just pointed out if she wasn't willing to forgive her father, the demons had a right to be there, and she would have sickness. She would have all kinds. In fact, if you were to look at her now, she's only about 54. She looks like she's about 70. Shocking what it's done to her, the bitterness in her heart. Unforgiveness will keep you trapped in the valley of sorrow. It's virtually like you're dragging around this issue, and you never let it go. And it'll keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming. Not only does it keep dragging it around with you, but what happens is, is everything you see is through that filter of it, and it, you just continue to be hurt the same way. Forgiveness is something we do to get free of the past. Forgiveness is not, I don't forgive you because uh, you deserve it. I forgive you because that's how I walk with God. How do you walk with God who's a forgiving God? God? Jesus said, if you come to me for forgiveness, he said, make sure you forgive those who have hurt you. So we need to release people. To release a person from forgive, forgive them does not mean I trust them. Forgiveness is just I release my judgments against them. I stop demanding they pay back in some kind of way. You know, in a marriage, it's very common. A, a wife gets hurt, and so she, she just goes silent and gives her husband the silent treatment. Anything wrong? And you know there's something wrong. And the husband goes crazy trying to find out what's wrong. This is unforgiveness. That's all it is, unforgiveness and manipulation. Power plays. People go quiet or people manipulate or people do this or that. So unforgiveness keeps you there. 
uh, related to unforgiveness are bitter judgments. I'll never do a thing like that. All men will hurt you. All women will do this to you. Judgments formed out of bitter hurt will keep you trapped in the valley. In fact, the Bible says you'll reap more of what you've been experiencing and it'll keep going on all through your life. I was talking to a young woman the other day and uh, she was struggling with unforgiveness towards her father. I said, that's really sad that you won't forgive your father. No, I don't want to forgive him. I said, well, that's really sad because I noticed you've got this young man you're interested in and I noticed that this is, let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, once you're married, this issue you have with your father will become between you and your husband and if you have a male child, it'll become an issue with your male son. I said, it will continue to torment you until you resolve it. Why don't you make the decision now to deal with it rather than reaping a harvest of pain? So judgments, bitter judgments, men will treat you this way. This is what people in authority, this is what pastors will do. Churches do this kind of thing. When you make those bitter judgments, you set in cycle a notion of reaping and you continue to have sorrow. You have a harvest of sorrow. So we must let go of the judgments in our heart. Let go people, release them, forgive them. Here's another thing that'll keep you stuck in the valley, and that is if you make an inner vow, a vow inside. Now, people make inner vows and don't even realize it. A vow is a solemn commitment. An inner vow is a commitment inside yourself. I will never open my life to a woman to get near me again. I'll never let any woman hurt me again. I'll never let any man get near me again. I'll never let any man treat me that way. I remember one woman, I went to counsel her because she was having her fifth miscarriage. And we would prayed for the child to be uh, saved and prayed for her to carry the child through to full term, but nevertheless, she was having this miscarriage. And so as I went to, to visit her, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to even say. Show me what to say. And the Lord said, this child is a son. I said, really? She said, yes, each child that's been miscarried is a son. I said, really? And then the Lord just said, ask her about her relationship with her father. So I went to, and I comforted the husband and the wife over the losing the, 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 the progressive loss of this, of this child. I said, tell me, what do you think the child is? And she said, I think it's a son. I said, what do you think the others were? She said, I think they were all sons. Really? I said, well, look, I'll tell you what. Why don't you get your father, who's a Christian? I said, how do you get on with him? She said, oh, well, I get on with him well. I was his favorite daughter. I said, really? Well, then why don't you get your father to pray for you? She said, no way, I'm not going to do that. I said, really? That was very strong. What's going on in your heart? And then as she shared, she shared her family situation, and the mother and father had a conflict. The mother had favored the younger daughter. The father had favored the older daughter, and an unhealthy relationship had formed, and actually, she had come to hate the father. And I said, did you ever make in your heart an inner vow, I will never carry a male child? Did you say that to yourself at any time? She said, yes, I did. And I said, well, what you've done is set in place a destructive force in your life. You've never got out of the valley of sorrow. You're still carrying the impact of your sorrow in your body. Your body is rejecting male children because you made an inner vow. You have never resolved the conflict with your father. We can't keep holding these hurts in our heart. They do overflow and affect the people around us in ways we never expected. Oh, it's got really quiet now. You know I'm talking about someone else. <laughs> I hope they're listening. <laughs> so, People get stuck in the valley of sorrow 
because of a whole range of things, and I've given some of them. The last one I'll mention is wrong beliefs. Sometimes people, when they're hurt, especially if they're a young child, form wrong beliefs and that it just lies. They actually get a lie. For example, they may believe it's always my fault. I'm always to blame. And when a person believes that in their heart, they will carry the sorrow of that and the grief of that all through their life. They never get free of this conflict in their home they didn't face. So how do you get out of the conflict? How do we get out of the valley of sorrows? Let me show you some very simple keys. Let's go back to verse 5 again. Blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord. The word strength means the ability to prevail or get the victory. So blessed is the man whose ability to get victory is found in the Lord. Number one, you need to turn to the Lord. We need to turn our heart to Jesus to save us and help us. What I have found with people when they've been hurt is they do the best to save themselves. Walls up in the heart, barriers up in the heart, inner, inner vows. They put all kinds of walls in the heart. They do all they can to save themselves. And I tell them, when you were a young child, it was okay to save yourself that way. But now you know Jesus. Now you don't have to save yourself. He is the Savior. And he didn't come just to save you from sin. He came to save you from the hurts and sorrows of life. That's why he died on the cross. He died for our griefs and sorrows. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He knows what sorrow is like. Have you been rejected? He was rejected. Family, friends, loved ones, disciples, followers. Have you been betrayed? He was betrayed. Have you been abused? He was abused. Have you been abandoned? He was abandoned. Have you gone through any kind of situation in life? He went through it and understands you can come to him. But the first thing is, is to stop trying to fix it up yourself and come to the one who can fix it. Come to the Lord. We need to actually open our life to Christ. Sometimes what that means is admitting you've got a problem and you've been trying to control it all your life. And saying, Jesus, I've been controlling this thing all my life. I know it's affecting my marriage. I know it's affecting my family. I really do want to come to you tonight. So number one, we need to come to the Lord, turn to the Lord. Second thing, we need to let go control, trying to save ourselves. We just stop trying to control it. Stop trying to control your world, control the pain, manipulate people, stop things happening. Stop trying to do that. The third thing is we need to face the truth. Notice it says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on journey or pilgrimage. Pilgrimage just means a journey. Now, many Christians I have found just want God to just fix them up. So they come up and they've got lifelong problems and they think that if they come up in an altar call and some anointed man of God will just pray for them. So I want the pastor. Pastor Lawrence is really anointed. So, so I want Pastor Lawrence to pray for me, not the rest of the prayer team, because I know he's so anointed. If he prays for me, I'll be healed. I'll be fixed. And that doesn't happen. So, well, Pastor Mike's here. I'll come to his, his teaching, and he can pray for me. And it still doesn't get fixed. Well, I'll wait till Benny Hinn comes. And so we have this mentality that somehow, if I get someone anointed enough, my problem will be fixed. It's not how it works. Whose heart is set on process. There's a journey to go through. Now, prayer can help. Someone who's anointed praying for you definitely can help, particularly in dealing with the demons and breaking the bondages. There is help for someone praying for you. But notice it said, 
you need to be, have your heart set on the journey. Because if tonight we pray for you and you get healed from the hurt that was at home and then you go home, hey, you're going to get hurt again. You've got to walk a journey. This thing's going to keep happening for a little while. If you've got a difficult relationship at work and you've been hurt, well, tonight we may be able to pray for you. Tomorrow you go to work again or Sunday you go to, Monday you go to work again and there's the problem again. You've got to actually be willing to go through the process. So much of the journey of healing, it has steps or points where God really touches us, but there's also a journey, and I'll show you some of the steps of the journey. So here's the next step in the journey then, is you have to face the truth. Oh, oh, oh no. Face the truth. I don't want to face it. You have to face the truth about what has happened to you, what you have experienced. You have to face up to it. And you can ask yourself these kind of questions. Well, am I willing to remember what happened? No, I don't want to remember. It's too painful. No, 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 no. It was too painful when you were young. It's not too painful now. You've got Jesus with you. Stop trying to control it. Open your heart and say, Jesus, walk with me back into the pain. I really want to resolve it so I can move forward out of the valley of sorrow. I want to turn it into a well of life. But holding it under control, I don't even want to talk about it. So all the people who could benefit from my testimony, they don't get to hear because I've got it all under control. The fact that it breaks out every week, friends, spouse, neighbors, whatever, I don't really want to know. Don't tell me that. So sometimes you need a good friend there to you say, I notice you seem to have a problem with anger. I don't have a problem with anger. What makes you think I've got a problem with anger? Excuse me, but your anger's really loud. <laughs> see, so mostly we don't see the problems or issues ourselves, but if you're in close relationship, particularly in discipleship or mentoring relationships, someone can talk to you and say, I notice that you're having the struggle, or I notice whenever we talk about the subject, you go real quiet. When Father's Day comes, you don't come to church. I noticed. I don't want you to talk about it. Well, I'd like to talk about it. What is the pain in there? I, I don't want to talk about it. You see, now you've got to face it. So what is it you don't want to talk about? Well, my dad abandoned us. And then the tears start to come, and they're starting to go back to the valley of sorrow so Jesus can bring healing. We have to face the truth. And here's what you've got to ask. What actually happened? How did you feel? How did it impact you? And more importantly after that, how did you respond? Sometimes in church, we tell people, you must forgive. I've been in Asia a long time, you know, so I know how people work and what they do. Taiwan's a classic, so we'll talk about Taiwan, we'll talk about Singapore. <laughs> so in Taiwan, they will drag people up to get saved, and they will drag them up to get, you have to forgive. This is not going to work. I remember when I was, uh, Joy and I were, at a meal, were at a meal with some full gospel businessmen and some woman, uh, there were some wives there as well, but there was one of the women had bought her daughter. And the daughter was about 15 or 16. And she was very sullen. She was very angry. She didn't, you know, her body language says it all. Right through the whole meal. And then after the meal, I, I looked and I thought, I know what's going to happen. Her mother has dragged her along for me to pray for her. So the mother dragged her up to me. 
And I can see the teenage daughter reluctantly coming up and she's standing. And the mother says, I want you to pray for my daughter. And the daughter's. I said, well, can you leave us alone? And she said, yes. So there's the daughter and me. And so I said this. You don't want me to pray for you, do you? She said, no. I said, I don't want to pray for you either. <laughs> but your mother is trying to make me. Well, a big grin broke out on her face. And we'd identified the problem. It was the mum's control. So then, of course, she's willing to talk. Because I'm not trying to make her do anything. I'm just willing to listen to her. And she shared her heart. And she opened her heart. And that night, Joe and I heard more about her life than her parents knew. And she talked about the struggles that she was having. Why did she talk? Because she felt there was acceptance. And she could open her heart and not be told, you've got to do this. Listen, if someone's been sexually abused and you tell them, you've got to forgive, you abuse them again, you really hurt them. You know what they feel like doing? They feel like hit you in the face. <laughs> so much for your counsel. Now, you and I know that if we're to move on, we have to forgive. But before forgiveness, sometimes we have to admit there's a lot of pain. Sometimes, before a person comes to forgiveness, which is a decision of the will, they have to actually recognize and, and, and open their heart to face what kind of pain they're in. So usually what we do is tell them, tell us what happened, tell us your story. We just begin to share, and how did you feel? And once the person is able to share their feelings, the tears come out, the feelings come out, and all the feelings and emotions come out, then they can start to move on. You can't bury your emotions. You bury them alive. They don't go away. They stay there. And they stay there until you resolve them. We're not to be afraid of emotions. God made us with emotions. God has got emotions. He laughs. He dances. He sings. Jesus wept. Jesus rejoiced. He got great emotions. Ah, are we Chinese? Different. We don't show our emotions. Well, this is a cultural bondage. It's all it is. Because I know that you all have emotions. I've prayed for, I've been coming to Asia for years. And I've seen thousands of people weeping, crying, screaming, yelling, all kinds of stuff coming out from the very people. I'm okay. Come on. God wants us to be true, to be able to express emotion, not just to hide it and conceal it and cover it. So usually if a person's going to deal with the issue of forgiveness, we ask them to tell, what do they feel and how did you react? What did you feel and how did you react? So, there's, so the first thing is, bless this man whose strength is in the Lord. Turn to the Lord and let go control. Secondly, embrace. There may be a process. You can't always fix it in one go. I prayed for someone today and we prayed and there was quite some release, but I said you do have to grieve. So here's the third thing, you need to grieve over the loss and grieve over the pain and sometimes that takes a little bit of time. So sometimes I tell people, when you write an anger letter, write a letter, dear so and so, and acknowledge the good things and then write down what really happened and how you felt. Get your feelings out and before God and when you felt the grief, now you know what it is you're forgiving, now start to choose to release forgiveness. I forgive. I choose to forgive 
because Jesus forgave me. I choose to release, I choose to let go demands for payback. I, I choose to let go. I choose to be a forgiving person. Sometimes you may have made a judgment. Well, I renounce the judgments that all men are evil, all men will abuse me. Because if you have a judgment that all men are evil and will abuse you, here's what I think you'll find. You'll find that all men in your life are evil and abuse you. What you judged, you keep attracting into your life until you deal with the issue. People don't understand that. It's very true. Okay then, so number one, turn to the Lord and let go control. Number two, face the truth and be willing to embrace the process of grieving over the loss, releasing forgiveness. If there's any judgments, renounce them. That says they pass through the valley of sorrow and turn it into a well. So here's the other thing you need to do. You need to choose to bless the people who have hurt you. <gasps> I don't want to bless them. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 5, bless those who curse you. Well, that's very unreasonable, Jesus. I know you could do it, but I can't. No, 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 you won't. Jesus said to bless people who curse you. Why to do that? So that you can be free in your heart. Do they deserve it? No. It's not because they deserve it. It's because you're going to be a person who blesses and forgives. That's the person you've chosen to be, not a defiled, bitter, twisted person just like the other one. We choose what kind of person we're going to be by the choices we make. So to walk free is a journey. The journey starts when I actually recognize I've got a problem and turn to the Lord and abandon trying to fix it myself. I continue my next step on the journey when I begin to remember what happened and how it's affected me and I begin to grieve over the pain, maybe shed a few tears, maybe weep a little bit, maybe begin to get in touch with what's going on inside me. The journey continues when I decide I'll forgive, I'll let go the judgments and the journey continues when I choose to bless the person and pray for them and then walk on with my life. What if they hurt me again? I choose to forgive them, bless them, pray for them. Why? Because that's the person I am. You see, you choose what kind of person you're going to be. If someone hurts you and you decide to hurt them back, you're just like them. You're no better. That's the, we're not called to model off other people. We're called to model off Jesus Christ, who said, Father, forgive them. They don't really realize what they're doing. You say, well, it seems unfair to do that. No, 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 no. It's actually God's way of walking out of the valley of sorrow and making it a well so you have a sweet spirit. And when people come and they say, well, you see something wrong in their heart. You see, oh, there's some trouble this person's got. And you begin to talk to them and they begin to weep and they begin to share their trouble. Immediately, you know exactly what they're going through. You know the kind of pain they're feeling and you know the journey they're going to have to take. And when they've shared their story, you can say, let me encourage you with how God helped me through it and they sense your spirit is sweet that you're not a bitter person an angry person a judgmental person a twisted person you have a sweet loving kind spirit that is a well people love it when you when they meet and engage people who are kind and loving and caring and have got a sweet spirit but you choose to become that way by handling life's hurts as Jesus said to handle them. Rejoice in the midst of them, face the issue, come to him with the hurt, look to him, release the forgiveness, release the pain and grief, 
begin to thank him that he's helping you and begin to journey on by blessing and forgiving the people who hurt you. This is the process by which we move out of the valley of sorrow and into the place of healing and wholeness where we have a well. Notice what it says as we just finish this up tonight. It says this, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength, everyone appearing before God in Zion. So literally what it means is this, if you will choose to deal with life's sorrows in God's way, instead of telling, you know what people do when they get hurt? They ring up and tell their neighbor or their friend or someone in their group. And then the other person on the other, and before you know it, everyone's all fired up with a fence. And, and this goes on in churches. And instead of actually, I don't understand it all, I don't know what's going on or why it's all going on, but I'm going to choose to pray and bless. Instead, people get offended and the worst thing about offense is this. Offense is a stumbling block. It, none, it didn't just stumble you. It stumbles others as well because when people are offended, they talk to others. And before you know it, they're running down this leader. And when you do that, you're defiling the body of Christ with an unresolved offense. I notice that uh, when people have got an offense in their heart, they'll do something like this. Oh, you know about so-and-so, yeah? And then they begin to fish. And if they feel you're offended, they pour out their offense. And all that happens is this. The two of you talk about offense, you become more offended, you become set in your offense, and you become deeper in defilement. When you walk away, you've resolved nothing, you just become more offended. Release forgiveness, grieve over the loss, make a decision to bless and forgive, and make a decision to move on. What if I'm in a relationship where that person hurt me again? I may have to change that relationship. I may have to set new boundaries. I may have to create distance from that person. What if that's a spouse? Well, I'm going to have to talk. I may have to confront. I need godly wisdom how to manage that. But the thing to do is to keep your heart free from hurts, which become an attractor core for demons and cause you to go into a place where you can't walk on with God. Listen, I've been a pastor for many, many years. If there was anything I could say over all the years that takes Christians out of the call of God, it's unresolved hurts and offenses in their heart. Of all the things that can move you the most quickly and easily out of God's position, that is what happens. Let me tell you something else. That if you're in a church and you have your family in a church, I talk to mums and dads now, if you're in a church and you have your family in the church, family got their friends there, they're in the youth group, they're, they're, they're really starting to learn and get hungry for God, and you get offended with a leader, maybe you've got every reason to be, they may have not handled it well, they may have not had wisdom, whatever it is, but if you get offended and start to talk the offense in your home, in the end your children will pick up your offense and they will stop walking with God and you can't turn it back. I have seen this happen over and over. I've seen families leave the church and eventually they were able to get it right and come back or find another church, but their children, gone. Offended, not because something had been done to them, they just picked up the parents' offense and there was no grace to deal with it. Listen, we can't afford to carry hurts and offenses and nurse these things in our heart. Jesus said these things will come, but in the midst of them, 
be of good cheer, I've overcome them, and you can overcome them too. Why don't we just close our eyes right now and just now finish up with a time of ministry for people who'd like to be prayed for. So just close our eyes for a moment and uh, open our heart to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. Thank you, you're a loving God. Thank you, Jesus, you loved us so much. You came into this world full of sin, came to meet with people, broken people, hurt people. Lord, you met with a woman who had had five broken marriages and Lord, who was living in sin and you never condemned her. You inspired her to become an evangelist. Lord, you met the leper and touched the leper who was broken. Lord, there's so many people in the Bible that you touched in their hurt and brokenness that you wanted to heal the grief that they carried in their heart. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come tonight and to raise in our mind and awareness any area of hurt with some relationship that is unresolved that you want to touch tonight. So just while we're just opening our heart to the Lord right now, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is there an issue with your father that's never been resolved? Is there an issue with your mother that's never been resolved? Is there an issue with a grandparent that's never been resolved? Is it the loss of a parent or grandparent and you've been deeply hurt by that and have blamed God all these years? Someone said, well, God took them away. And so what else could you do as a child but blame God? But really what's happening is there's a grief in your heart. Perhaps you've lost a loved one and there's a deep grief that you're carrying. Or perhaps your parents rejected you totally. They wanted a boy and you were a girl. Wanted a girl and you were a boy. Perhaps you just didn't measure up. You didn't do things the way they wanted you to do them. And so there's a deep grief of rejection in your heart. This would be a good time to respond to the Lord. May have been in a relationship where there was an engagement and the engagement was broken and you've never gotten over it. You've just buried it. Maybe you're in a relationship and someone verbally abused you and they continue to hurt you with their words until you just withered up on the inside. This would be a good night to get free of that. Or maybe there's someone who's physically abused you and you've never gotten over the shame of it, the powerlessness that you felt. Or perhaps you're here tonight and there's been sexual abuse and you had, had no power to stop this thing happening, so you just shut it off in your mind but deep inside, there's a deep wound, a deep pain, a deep grief. You say, God, tonight I want to come to you and stop controlling it and begin the journey to wholeness. Perhaps there's some of you, and there's been disappointments in churches you've been in. Many times when we have a disappointment, instead of staying and resolving it, we move to another church. That doesn't help. You just bring your offense in there as well, and at some point God wants you to face it and release forgiveness and blessing. Maybe you were right, but being right isn't good enough. God wants you to have a right spirit. You can be right and have a wrong attitude and spirit. So what is there tonight that God wants you to deal with? Perhaps it's been a child and they've really disappointed you. They just didn't follow the path that you wanted them to. In fact, they went completely contrary and, and you're quite angry and quite hurt by what happened. Tonight would be a good night to bring it to the Lord. Perhaps you're a leader in here and as you've ministered to people and poured your heart out and then they've turned against you and walked away and it's left a deep hurt inside, it'd be a good night to bring it to the Lord. He understands exactly what that's like. Or perhaps 
Tonight there's a struggle you've had at work, an injustice. You haven't been able to get over it. There was unfair treatment and you were powerless to do anything about it. You don't have to stay hurt. You can let it go. You can let Jesus come in and help you. The question is, will you be like the man who's blessed? Blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord. Stop trying to control it. Invite Jesus to help you. Who, passing through the valley of sorrow, you don't need to stay there. You're going to make a conscious decision to process the issue, release the grief, forgive, bless, so you can turn this painful thing into a well that's sweet. What's stopping you doing that tonight? This is what I'd like you to do. There'll be many people who have something in their heart that they want to resolve, that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about. This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you just to step up out of your seat now, make your way down the front to the front, and we will stand with you and believe for the Spirit of God to come on you and to help you. Just come now. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. If God's speaking to you about an issue, about a relationship, about a hurt, please come right now. Just come right now. Come right now. Don't, don't worry about what anyone else is thinking or might say. You're just saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you tonight. I refuse to control this thing any longer. I'm not going to deny it any longer. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm not going to hide anymore. I want to deal with this. Would you come? Come as others need to come tonight. Please come. Please come. Please come. Don't be so proud you go home and then want me to pray for you after the service. I won't do it. You just need to come now. This is the moment when God is here. This is the moment when the Spirit of God is wanting to help you and to touch your life. This is your moment to come. It's not easy to do it because you have to admit that there's pain. It can be very, very heartbreaking. But this is the condition. This is what it's like in church. So let's just come right now. Some of you may be your father. Some of it may be your mother. And you've endured merciless criticism and you never believed you're good enough because constantly whatever you did, they always told you it was never good enough. I suffered from that for many years. I would work the very best I could and I'd come home and my father would see what I hadn't done and would point that out to me. Well, you could have done better. And it was like nothing I ever did was good enough. And so in the end, I began to believe in my heart I was never good enough. Jesus had to heal me of that, had to help me through that. Anything that go wrong, I think it's my fault. It was a terrible grief, and I carried it for many years, even as a pastor. Something go wrong in the church, and I just blame myself. The devil would exploit the wound in my heart, just like he's trying to exploit yours. Is there anyone else tonight? Just please come. Just while the musicians play worshipfully in the background, just come. Let's just come and, and come and meet with the Lord and begin our journey out of our sorrow. Begin our journey out of that place of pain. You may need after tonight to go home and to write a, a letter down and to begin to get in touch with your feelings and grieve over them. With those letters, you never let the person see it. You destroy it as soon as you've written it. It's to get you in touch with your feelings so you can grieve and release forgiveness. Once you've released forgiveness, get rid of it. Burn it up. Don't let anyone see it or it may create huge problems in your relationships. You may find when you go home, you've got to ask forgiveness because you've had such a bad attitude. Ask God to give you the right time. And when you go to ask forgiveness, don't go with an angry heart. Don't go with a blaming heart. Just deal with your part. Just own your bit. 
I, I want to, God has been speaking to me tonight. I want to apologize for how I've been treating you. I've had such a bad attitude and I know it's hurt you and affected you and I'm so sorry about that. It takes great humility to put things right. But God gives grace to the humble. Lord, we just thank you right now. Thank you for your presence here. I'd like you to do one more thing. I'd like you to just lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come. As you lift your hands, Holy Spirit, we welcome you tonight to come and bring healing, deliverance, and freedom. Holy Spirit, we surrender control tonight. I let go of the controls I've had over my life, trying to bury the pain, trying to hold myself together, trying to, to pretend this thing isn't in there, but it is there. And Lord, tonight, I open my heart to you. And as we begin to come and minister to you, just stay there worshiping the Lord. And as you remember the people that have hurt you, you may feel like crying. Start to release forgiveness. Start the process today. Start the journey before God tonight. And as we come and lay hands on you, we're going to expect God's Spirit to touch you with His great love. Father, we just thank you. Can you just keep playing and just keep some music in the background, please? Father, we just thank you right now.